Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and motivational speaker. Today, I am chatting with Paul Yenny. Once again, kind of back-to-back episodes, these like holiday series, if you will. Uh, if you haven't checked out episode 142, do so. Lists all sorts of great games to play. And here we are. That was our Christmas Eve episode. Now we're on New Year's Eve with Paul, and we're going to bring our classic sort of questions with Paul series back here. We're going to end the year with questions with Paul. We'll probably end the school year with questions with Paul. We just love Paul. We love Paul. Paul, we love you. And I love you guys. Um, so It's been a real privilege to be a recurring guest. You, Yeah, love having you on. So thank you very much. For anybody that doesn't know, you probably can tell just from the like the chemistry, especially if you watch the YouTube videos of these, uh, Paul and I, if we were neighbors, I, I think we would be like super best friends. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, it's only the internet that has brought us together. But um, someday in real life, Paul, someday in real life. I'll let you know when there's a fourth or fifth grade posting at my school and you can come. We can be teammates. Boom. Oh my gosh. That would be, that'd be <laughs> unbelievable. That would be unbelievable. So for people that are just tuning in, uh, the questions with Paul series, you can you can check that out on Well Played, uh, various episodes. The idea here is Paul is you know new in teaching career and he's asking questions as he decides to gamify his class throughout the year. And this particular episode, I'm really excited about. Uh, so this this one's about starting a game club at your school. So he has been methodically adding gamification components to his class and his curriculum. And I think this is a natural step for people that gamify is they, they start, Paul was already interested in games. So like, but, (laughs) but for lots of people, it piques your interest in like games and board games and card games. And then once you sort of get that interest peaked and you start playing some with your partner or your family members or your friends, then you start to be like, this would be great for kids. Like, why aren't we doing this in a game club setting? And so that's what this episode's about. Paul's got some questions. This was Paul's idea. So again, it just shows you like that is the natural arc of people that gamify uh, is is this question. So I'm excited to dive into it. Before we do though, Paul, share a little bit about yourself. So like you said, I'm a fifth grade teacher. This is my second full year in the classroom. First year doing full gamification. Um, And I... uh, I got to a point this year where the gamification is fun and the kids are engaged, but I honestly, there's this, you start to get a little bit jealous because I would also like to play. I'm doing all this (laughs) managing and creating and I don't get to be part of the game other than the game master. And that's right. Game being the game master is a lot of fun, but there's also this part of you that's like, these are some fun kids having a fun time playing fun games can I play? I want in. Yeah, I want in. <laughs> so I've been, even before I had even heard of gamification or read Explore Like a Pirate, I was in the back of my mind, I had this, I've heard there's board game clubs. I could, I could do this. I could start one. And as I told you before we started recording this year, I finally took the one step that will force me to actually do something, which is I told the kids. So now that the kids know, it forces me to do it because then I look like a liar if I don't. It's um, so true. If there's they are the best at holding me accountable. Yep, they are. 
Like, oh my gosh, the moment you toss out, especially if it's something like fun and outside of the box, then they're like constantly thinking about that. They finished their last math problem and they're like, hey, when are we doing that thing that you said? It's so true. So true. So you've tossed out to the kids. You want to start a game club. Yes. And I've, I did, I added an item, which, um, which I'm going to keep in there, but I don't know how it will look after the game club starts where it's an item where they can pick a friend or two and stay after school and play a game with me just to nice. kind of test it out. Cause I don't have kids. My friend's group doesn't have kids. So I don't, I wanted a little bit of that experience of how do kids experience these games before I just said, here's a game club. Sure. So I had I had one uh, one young lady take me up on it, and we played a couple games, and that went really well. And then this last week, I had a really small, not small, but I had eight kids who really got everything done, didn't need to make anything up. And so I said, for you guys, stick around at lunch. And I had just bought one night Ultimate Werewolf for Black Friday. And they came in, and we played a few rounds of that at lunch, and it really got them jazzed, and it got me really excited of, Hey, this is a lot of fun, and I think I'm ready to jump into this next semester. Yeah i I love how you've already started to like infuse games into the class day. Uh, I do the same thing. I have some kids come up at recess. I use it a little bit like a reward, um, where I kind of want to like choose some kids that have done something, or like, hey, you're you're doing really well, and I always try to attach to that, like, hey, Paul, like, I really appreciate what you've been doing in class lately, and, you know, curious if you're around tomorrow during recess, like, maybe you and a couple other buds come up and play a game. The answer is always yes. I don't think anybody's <laughs> ever said no, uh, but uh, it's a good time, and it's a good way to connect outside the normal flow. I love that you're using it as a little bit of a test of, like, how to structure your sort of game club. I am sure some of those questions will come out. So yes. I, I guess without further ado, what, what do we got for a question from Paul? My first question is just, it's kind of a, a double question. The first part is like where any do teacher. You, yes. <laughs> <laughs> where do you cap the number of students you let in and how do you make that process fair? Does like a first come for serve or what, how do you, how do you structure who is able to participate? Great question. So I'm going to give you multiple answers. Love it. All right. So <laughs> I teach middle school, so you're going to have to kind of adapt this to whatever your grade level is, but just giving my answer at our school, uh, in the middle school is fifth through eighth. Now, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but I'm a big believer of like having signpost moments. And what that is, is like things that you look forward to, right? You look forward to your driver's mm -hmm. license. You look forward to, I don't know, being able to vote. I don't know. But, uh, so what I do, I teach sixth. So I decided my game club actually is not available for fifth. Um, so that's something for the fifth grade to sort of look forward to. You can join this. It becomes, there's a little mystique there, right? They're excited to join. I do sometimes run like a fifth grade only night as like a preview sometime yes. in the year, yeah. but standard rule, fifth grade can't. Um, so really my club's sixth, seventh, and eighth. Now I teach sixth. I don't teach seventh and eighth. They're actually on two different floors. So the sixth grade and the fifth grade are on the third floor, seventh and eighth are on the second floor. 
So I have a sign-up sheet to answer your question. I put on my door for that week's game, game night. And the first time I did it, like all sixth graders signed up like after second period. And like, even though I put it in the like announcements, there was no room for seventh or eighth grade. So what I did was I made a sign-up sheet that like off to the left, it says like five spots for six, five spots for seventh, five spots for eighth. And then I have, because I love gamification, of course I've gamified my <laughs> game club. So then there's five spots for what I call special forces. And so my game club, I sort of originally, I don't do as much with it as now as I used to, but it was originally themed around like the military rankings. So you'd like, I had this like sort of leaderboard that I kept track of times you've come and you'd start as a private and it was, I think every five times you'd, you'd get a rank up. Right. And then special forces, anybody could be a special force. So it didn't matter by rank special forces were kids. They were like my varsity, not necessarily because of how well they played, but how well they cared to play. So special forces were my kids that like really showed a high propensity of like, I love to play games. And I'm, I'm even willing to sit here and listen to Mr. Yenny teach us 20 minutes worth of rules because I want to like play the game right. And I want to like do it right. Where some, and that's cool. And there are some kids that are just like, I just want to have a fun time. And like, no, no, like they want the simplest rule set because they want to just get to playing. Well, then they're not going to play some of those bigger games and that's fine. But like, I wanted to kind of have some designation of who those kids were. And those kids are always good kids to have in the mix because they'll be the ones, even when you're playing your light game, like werewolf, when you start to have 10, 15 kids come, you know, one of those special forces probably could run that game on that other table mm -hmm. because they're going to listen well enough. So you can know that about them. And then the, the bonus reward for them is they kind of have a reserve spot. So we're like the five, six grade spots might fill up instantly. And they're like, Oh shoot, I can't come like, Ooh, but your special forces, like there's those spots down below that very few people can even have access to. Yeah. So that's one thing. Then on my sign up sheet, it states that those spots, like the sixth grade spots, the seventh grade spots, the eighth grade spots, are reserved for those grade levels all the way up to the day before the event. Then it's just carte blanche. So if like mm -hmm. no, like for example, I don't have a lot of eighth graders that come. At that point, some of them sort of decide to try. Just like I told you about signpost moments, our school kind of does that. Like each year, there's new things they get to try. So even though some of my eighth graders still come up to me and say like they love the game, they want to play, they're just busy now because they're trying this new sport that became active to them. They're trying a few more clubs that just became active to them. So uh, as, I, as they drop off, those slots then are reserved for them because they're not going to bounce up to the third floor all that often. So I hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. But the day before the event, you know, I want seats sold. Uh, yeah, I, I put air quotes there, but I, I want as many kids to come as can come. So those slots get freed up the night before. Um, and then anyone can, or the day before can sign up in those spots. So that's, that's how the sign up process works. Now that was a really lengthy answer, but there was something I didn't answer in there. I just realized you also asked how many kids can come. So what I do is I have a standard sheet that has 20 slots and then I just take a permanent marker and I cross slots off before I hang the sign up. 
if I know for me that this week I want to play this particular game and either I only have so many copies of it so I could only take this many or sometimes I limit it if I think it's going to be a harder game and I need the room to be a little less frantic because if you start getting up to 15, 20 kids, you better be playing like light party games because it's going to be loud and like you can't be playing some sort of calculation you know, thinky, thinky game, uh, unless you have a big space, mine's happening in my classroom. And so 20 kids after school, like playing games, like it's going to get loud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a small regular sized class. Yep. You got it. So, so it's based for me on like what game I'm playing, how many copies I have of that game, when it is in the year. Because sometimes I don't select the game. Sometimes I'm like, we can play anything that we've played thus far. And it's kind of free choice as long as you're able to run it. Because like, there's only one of me. So if you all look at me and say, teach me this game, I can't teach five individual games on a night. Uh, or like I said, how difficult the game is. Maybe I want to make it only like nine kids can come today because I want to. It's a five-player game. I have two copies. I want to teach teach them all. I want to play. So it's going to be five on one table and five on the other table. Um, so th that's kind of how I do it. And I just, I literally just cross it off in permanent marker. So it's always the same sign up that they're used to. And they, they just see different slots. Um, and then the nice thing I did on mine, I don't know if you're going to bounce around when the day is, but I literally at the top list all the days of the week. And then I have a box that says like it ends at and then colon a blank line. And then what I do is I can just use the same generic sheet and say like this week it's on Thursday and it's a little longer game and I don't have anything to do tonight that night. So I'm willing to like stay till 530 and like I write that it's like goes till 530 or whatever. And then I don't have to like constantly be making new sheets. I can just print this one sheet off and say this, this next week it's on Friday and it goes till five. I like that flexibility. I never thought of it in terms of that you could bounce it around. I I always pictured mine, and it might have to be just because of sure. my constraints, but I always pictured it as it's a Thursday, it goes till 4. It's a thurs every Thursday till 4, but I like that being able to bounce it around and say, I have more time for it this day, this week. And that lets kids who have after-school clubs on Thursday or have after it can different kids get a chance to participate. That is why I did the bounce which day of the week it is because I don't know about your school, Paul, but my school, uh, lots of kids are involved in so many things. And if I just say game club is Thursday night, it's like 80% of my school could literally like never come. You yep. know? And so by saying like this week it's Thursday, next week it's Friday, most of mine, I would say probably 75% of my game clubs I run are on a single day but i don't i don't say that game club is always that single day i never go that step farther right right i still reserve the right to be like well i'm gonna toss this one on wednesday um and to be honest sometimes i've done two a week you know <laughs> and then you just print out two sheets circle wednesday on one of them circle friday on the other and there you go do you so it sounds like when when you do a, a game most of the time it's this is the game we're playing. Do you post like we're playing pandemic? Heavens no. On... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there could, uh, this is probably 
I'm going to say a push either way. Either it's just as good or just as bad that you post it. Because there's going to be some kids that are like, I don't care. I don't, uh, I don't like like pandemic or I don't like that sounds like a game I wouldn't like. So then they don't come. Uh, the other reason and where the benefit for not posting it is one, no one games the system like I just described. But also, it gives me, again, greater flexibility. And I'm going to admit here on Well Played, two reasons for that flexibility. One, a serious reason. One, kind of an embarrassing one. One, the serious reason is I don't know who's coming. So, mm-hmm. oh, like I look on Friday and it's like, wow, these are all new gamers. Let's let's pull out Werewolf. Let's pull out, you know, like a nice entry-level game. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, like. Over half the kids coming have come like every single time, and these are some of my bigger gamers. Maybe we can honor them with like, guys, I'm gonna bust out like today. I've decided like you guys are ready for this, you know. But if I decided that ahead of the week and we got a bunch of newbies, but I said we're doing the bigger game, (laughs) (laughs) what do I do? And then the second kind of embarrassing reason why it's nice to have that flexibility is. To be honest, sometimes I didn't have the time that I thought I did to like read the rules again for the bigger game. Mm-hmm. And now, like on a turn of a dime, I can be like, "Yeah, we're gonna pull that thing. I know, I super know. We're gonna we're gonna do for sale today. It's a great game. Kids will love it. Boom! I can play that anytime. I know the rules. I've memorized the rules, right? Mm-hmm. Or the opposite's true. Wow, I had more time this week than I thought. I was able to read the rules for Pandemic. Let's yeah, we're gonna pull that out. All right, so this is this is fantastic because we are steering way far off my questions list, but that's great. That just means I have awesome follow-ups. Um, so it's sounding to me like you, except for special days where you let them pick, you'll come in and you'll they'll come in, they'll sit down, and you'll say we're playing for sale, and you yep. have multiple copies of for sale, so you teach it once, and then everyone is kind of playing the same thing. That is what I've done. So over the years, I sort of collected enough games and I tried to always buy multiple copies. Um, what you should do is, if you want to go down that same path, you should try to like figure out what's what's the right size of club for you. So if you're gonna, if 10 is what you're going to usually want to bring to your club, then you're going to want to try to pick up two copies of everything, right? If, you know, 12 to 16 is your thing, you know... 12 to 15, I'd say, you know, then you're talking about picking up like three copies, right? If you're going to go up to the 20, then you're talking about four copies of games. Um, But the cool thing is you'll see that it'll be a natural growth. So as you start your game club, maybe diversity of game is important. So you're really maybe for these first four games, you buy five games, you buy, you're buying one copy of them just so that you can say, we have these five games to choose from probably because it's the start of the game club. And if you're, school isn't used to having a game club your kids skills aren't able to play bigger board games yet so this is perfect you pick up five different small games and teach everybody those small games and yours will start with that openness of hey this is the fifth week we're doing this some of you have come if you just want to pull off the shelf and sit over there and play your favorite one i'm going to be over here teaching these four new kids the one that you're not playing that's Mm -hmm. cool as you like it progresses and hopefully like you do this year over year you start looking at that commitment of like building a library 
And I, I know it's going to sound really nerdy, but I remember when I told my principal, we had, we had to do a, an after we had to offer something. And I said, I was going to offer a game club and she was like, well, that's not going to work. So what's your backup plan? Um, it totally worked. But one of the things that was awesome by her not having confidence in the game club idea was it actually made me sit down and I actually wrote <laughs> down a like almost businessy sort of plan to her mm-hmm. that was like a like a five year sort of vision. And when I had to sit down and really look at like pretending it all worked, what would year two look like? What would year three look like? What would year five look like assuming it all worked? So you just kind of assume kids are going to come, club's going to grow. Maybe you're going to get some funding either from parents or from a community business or the school itself because they'll start to see value like wow like 40 kids 50 kids are involved in this maybe not every day but like Mm -hmm. the at the height of my game club i would say over the course of the year three quarters of the school participated in game club might have been on just one game club night but like still and once you start to get those numbers, like the school, my school was like, yeah, we're willing to give you a little small stipend to pick up some games and do some stuff because like, that's just, that's bigger than sports actually. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, so it's worth it. Or your booster club or whatever, your parents association might be willing to give you some stuff. Um, I spent some of my own money. I'll be honest. Like I super loved it. I thought it was great for kids. To me, this was like my give back. Like I don't. I didn't see a problem with that, but like, whatever, that's everybody's choice. And, you Mm -hmm. know, but nonetheless, when you start to lay out the five-year vision, you start to recognize like, holy cow, like if I do this year over year, and if we are investing some of other people's money, my own money, however you want to say it, but like, wow, we could actually end up with a fairly significant library if you treat it that way, you know, and you start to be strategic. I'm going to buy three copies of these. You start to notice patterns throughout the year in terms of when to buy games like we just came off of cyber monday black friday and a lot of those even had like week-long deals they like they just called it like cyber week and it was like okay throughout the week so if you got a small donation of like a couple hundred dollars or something from pto or whatever or again if you're willing to say i'm willing to put 200 dollars into the beginning of this club like those kind of moments you could actually pick up what are $50 board games for $25 mm-hmm. and you, and you could be like, I'm going to buy two of those. And now like, wow, like your $200 investment could get you four different games, two copies of each of those games. And then all of a sudden you start having this library and you do that five years in a row, you have 20, $50 different games, two copies of each, like, that's a lot of choice. That's a lot of like things you can start making thematic choices. So I started to buy things that would support other teachers. So I'm a middle school history teacher. And then all of a sudden I started buying things like pandemic and then say to like science teachers, Hey, would you want to like, you can come Mm -hmm. and even, and even say to your kids, like, if you want to say extra credit, if you want to just say like, Hey, I'm coming to Mr. Yenny's game club and we're going to be doing one that kind of is about cells and, organisms you know and then like that got buy-in from another teacher then all of a sudden that teacher's recommending to their in your case you know like third grade kids or second grade kids to come you could say to your like kids like we're gonna be like the ambassadors to these so like you guys have played lots of games these second graders haven't played lots of games 
let's like show them a great time as we teach them whatever. Mm -hmm. Love it. So you kind of touched on my next question. Um, but could you expand a little bit about, um, different ways to fund getting more games? I know, I don't know if it was you or someone else on Twitter was talking about having a game club fee, like a small fee that went towards purchasing and just different ways that people can go about building that library. Sure. So ones I've already suggested, right? Reaching out to whatever organizations are attached to your school. So if you have a parents association, truly asking them is a great place to start because I got to tell you, game after school game club by a teacher who's willing to give their time for free so you're not saying can i get paid 15 dollars an hour to run a game club you're coming right. to them saying can you guys help me fund games so that i can provide an educational experience for children throughout the school on my own time you know like that's mm -hmm. the kind of things that like dreams are made of pto's like yes we will give you 300 dollars to do that that's that's amazing right um, so I think you'll find great success there. Uh, so that's, I think number one suggestion, do that Two, If your school has some like fees, like some schools I know have like a technology fee. Um, mm -hmm. some of them have, I know an activity fee, which goes into a general like activity fund that the principal can kind of say like, Hey, we're going to spend some of this to buy t-shirts for this thing we're doing, you know? And yeah. you could ask that principal if your school's one of those, like, hey, like I'm planning on this thing. I think at first it's going to affect, you know, fifth grade or whatever, but I think eventually, like, it'll really be affecting everybody. And here's my five year vision. Mm -hmm. You know, would you be willing to give me 70 bucks, 80 bucks a year from the, the activity fund? Like I said, I mean, that's four different $20 games for you. Like, boom, mm -hmm. you know, that's awesome. Uh, and even if the first year you just buy one set of them and then the next year you take that $80 and buy the same four games you bought the first year, that's going to naturally go with the growth of the game club. Now it's a little bigger. It's year two. And now you have two copies of ultimate werewolf, you know? Yep. Uh, now pricing models, like if you're going to charge students, I have only come up with two ways to do that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can, well, I guess three, you can, they all, I think work. they all have their own pluses and minuses. One could be the, the easiest and then possibly the best is a car blanche all access pass. That is just a one-time activity fee. If you are part of game club, you can come every week or you can come once, but you have to pay a little higher amount because you're saying they can come all year for this amount. Mm -hmm. so maybe it's maybe it's $25 lets you come to Game Club all year. Um, there's that model. There is the like sort of buy a pack of Game Club. So it's like almost like a punch card or something like that. Like, hey, you know, for 10 bucks you get to come to like three Game Clubs or whatever. You mm -hmm. choose win. But like, you know, somewhere in the fine print, no refunds or whatever. Like if they don't, if they don't yeah. use the three, like that's their bad. Um, and then the other way is just a per time fee. Like it costs two bucks to come to game club or three bucks to come to game club. Uh, I have over the years, my school lets me do that. 
and I'm very thankful. I'm one of the only clubs that gets to sort of separate charge the students. But I really made a strong case that like it is like a library. So every year, not only do I want to buy new games, but I have replacement costs. Like mm-hmm. you know, pieces get bent, lost, cards get broken, like whatever. Um, so they have allowed me to do that. Um, and I've gone with that third choice, the like per time charge. The thing I don't like about it, and every year I'm like, should I switch? Um, all of them have some sort of problem to them. The per time charge, there's probably so many kids that would absolutely love Game Club, but are unwilling to try it. God, you know, mm-hmm. like they want to try it before they buy it, but the way yeah. the structure is like, sorry, it costs money before you even try. And like they could. They're, they're just like, well, I'm not going to come then, you know? Well, I wonder if you could do like a, you get one, everyone gets one free, but then if you want to come back, then everyone gets a, just a free one, just to try it out. Sure. Kind of. Kind of thing. That's, yeah. and that's, and that's sort of the same problem with the other two models, right? If you have to buy like a three pack or a five pack, well, now you're asking them to spend $15 and they don't even know if they're going to like it. And the all access pass, same thing. Like now you're asking twenty five up front. But I will tell you, parents, I think I don't know your population too. Like this all might matter on your free and reduced lunch and all these other things. But like I think some parents might actually like the all access pass style better. Mm-hmm. It is a one time fixed cost. And they can almost look at it like almost like after school care. You know, like, cool, one day a week for possibly the better part of the year. My kid's in a safe space, an educational space with a great teacher that they like for $25. Here's $25, you know? Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's kind of cool. And what you can do to, I will kind of one further add on to your question, another way to possibly earn more money. And again, I hope everyone hears on this channel what I'm suggesting to Paul, the money he's earning and the money I have earned over the years, none of it went into my pocket. Like it is all to like fund the club. Everything's about the club. Like I want new games. I want better games. I want more of the same games that I love. So none of it, you know, I've never gotten paid for my time on game club. Um, So one way to infuse and make more cash. Once you have a game club, every year I usually do one or two like, bigger game nights like mm-hmm. like i'm i'm gonna order pizza uh we're gonna stay here till like six or seven or whatever we're gonna play two or three games you know like blah blah but you charge a bigger amount one because you're buying mm-hmm. the pizzas but two because it's a longer event blah blah and parents and kids have loved that and i've always like sold out of those but sometimes those i might charge 20 bucks for that night like right you're coming but it's 20 bucks but if you get 10 people to come at that. I mean, that's $400. Yes. You're going to buy a hundred dollars worth of pizza, but like you just made $300 for the club. Well, and I could see that being an effective, we do a big, we do a big, uh, camping trip up to Estes park every year. That could be a, a selling point too, for we're doing a fundraiser for the fifth grade. This mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily go straight back into the game club. Although $300 worth of game sounds really exciting. <laughs> Doesn't it? It does. <laughs> the other one that you could do, uh, we've had success at our school. I've never done this for Game Club, but uh, doing a, 
that we called it a penny penny auction i think we called it um kids bring in old toys they don't use old stuffed animals they don't use like just things they're willing to donate so the product you got is free then on some given day you run an auction and kids mm -hmm. it's a fundraiser you say it's a fundraiser for the club and so you start auctioning off to the other kids these kids that brought in these toys so like here oh like there's a stuffed animal i like you know that's not mine but it's i, I like it you don't like it anymore but i like it I'm willing to pay two bucks for this. And like, it's amazing how much money you can actually raise with them buying things for $2, $1, $3. But you didn't pay anything for the products. And they all know it's going into this thing for the school. Like, as long as you're not profiting from it, I think it's a really fun community building. Hey, guys, like, yeah, I know you're paying $3, $5. Some kids realize we did this for like fundraisers and they realize this and they, they're really nice about it. Like, like one time, one of the kids brought in a bag of marshmallows, so they know that like at the store, this marshmallows are two bucks, but they know it's a fundraiser, and like the kids got in like a fun little bidding war, and I think somebody paid like twelve dollars for this thing, right? <laughs> but it was more like it is for a fundraiser, so they were happy to do that, and it was kind of silly. They got a bag full of marshmallows, you know, like it was kind of cool. Yeah. So my last big question is rules and expectations. So here's kind of where I'm where I'm at with that. Yeah. I know that there are sore winners and sore losers. Yep. And I don't I it's one of those things where I I am torn between two different things. I'm torn between the this is a after school activity. You don't have to be here if you're going to be a sore loser or a sore winner, you you're going to go. And the how do the other side, which is the how do I make this a teachable moment? How do we, instead of kicking you out, bring you into this group and teach those skills? So where do you kind of draw that line of of when kids can be there and when how you deal with negative gameplay behaviors? Sure. Uh, my rules and expectations are pretty clear and pretty vague all wrapped in one that describes being a middle school teacher <laughs> uh, so the clear part is uh, my expectations are one no electronics no phones you know that kind of thing uh, my expectation is that you are focused on the game so when it is i stress this so much so when it is not your turn you're thinking about your turn so that when it is your turn it it, it goes pretty smoothly and quickly Another expectation I have is get used to saying, like, it's your turn. Like, know the turn order so I can turn to Paul and say, Paul, it's your turn. Or else sometimes, like, literally, like, three minutes go by because people start gabbing and talking and not about the game. They think it's not their turn, so they're talking about the latest pop star. And then all of a sudden, they're like, whose turn is it? And they're like, well, Paul, it's yours. And you're like, well, you didn't tell me. And it's like, okay, so we just wasted three minutes you not knowing it was your turn. Although that is life. And that happens all the time with my games. It does. It does. But I'm trying to teach them that, <laughs> like, yes. yeah, that sort of etiquette. And then, uh, to per your point about the like bad behavior, you know, quote unquote bad behavior, um, my answer is going to be split here. So the type of person who is the sore loser, um, depending on what they do. I mean, if they like flip a board over or something like that, like obviously that's going to be a pretty stern talking to. That is just inappropriate school behavior, life behavior. 
anything. But if they're just like having a hard time and they're like sad and they're like pouting or maybe they're even crying. I've had some criers. Um, that is a beautiful teachable moment. It is a kid being so passionate about it. They're frustrated about it and, and they're not in control of their emotions. They're 11. Um, and so I almost nine out of 10 times on that, take the empathetic approach, but I do not give in to their frustrations. Cause sometimes they're going to say like, well, Paul did this and Paul, did, and it's like, Paul won the game. Like he didn't, Paul didn't do anything wrong. Like this is a moment that like, I get that you thought you poured your heart and soul. You thought you were going to win this thing. And like Paul beats you, but that doesn't like Paul didn't do anything wrong. In fact, we should probably like break down what Paul did so that we can employ that strategy next time or stop that strategy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but again, like you got to play that fine line of like being empathetic without giving into any of their like demands, right? Like no, like no one did wrong. Like you're just frustrated because mm-hmm. you came up short and man, I have come up short time and time again. I then try to make a joke about how like, you know, I lose. Um, actually my joke usually at my game club is that I've never lost. And then the key line here, Paul is <laughs> I've never lost that I can remember. And then, and I intentionally make a big deal out. And then some kid will be like, I beat you last week. And I'll be like, I don't remember. Were you even there last week? I don't, I don't remember. And it's like, you ham it up so much that everybody in the room knows you lose all the time. But like the joke is I haven't lost. So it's a little bit like I'm empathizing with that kid. Like I too wish I didn't lose. So I'm going to say I've never lost that I can remember. <laughs> like, you know, and you just ham that up. What about the opposite end of that? The sore winner. The sore winner that's like, ha ha, in your face kind of thing. That is almost the complete opposite. I come down pretty stern on that because, I mean, at first I try to see if it calms down. If like they just let that eke out for a second and then like pull back, I don't say anything. Mm-hmm. But if it's like, wow, you're being a jerk, <laughs> I'm going to pull you aside and really say like, Paul, you, you, you cannot do that. Like I get that you're excited but other people poured their heart and soul in it. Some things went your way. You made some great choices. I get that. But like putting down other players, that that's just uncalled for. And you got to remember every time you sit down at that table, Paul, only one of us are going to walk away a winner. And like the odds are, you know, you're not always going to be that. So would you want to be on that receiving end of, of how you're behaving right now? Um, and I also have one giant rule of... You only get three strikes for the year. And that would be one of those things where I'd be like, Paul, like this is a strike. Like mm-hmm. now, you know, I get it. Maybe you didn't understand that that's how we play here, but like don't get another strike, you know? And I think the most I've ever had to give somebody is one strike, but it's nice that you have this little system of three strikes and you cannot come this year so that you can use one of them in that teachable mm-hmm. moment. You now get not to be that way. Everybody else kind of hears like, did you hear Paul got a strike? You know, for being a jerk. And then I'll like, the rest of them pretty much don't do that behavior. They get that like mm-hmm. that is unacceptable. And then the other time I've given a strike is being super loud. I, I tell them all, I love the game moments that erupt. That is fine. But if we keep it at that level, like, because at my game club, we could have 20 people in this room. If you're all at that, like, super high, like, we're yelling, we're talking, like, that doesn't work. So, it's fine the, oh, man, you bought the thing that I wanted. Like, that's cool. (laughs) I love that. But, like, that's a spike, not Mm -hmm. a constant. 
and I've given people strikes for that. Like, you know, but it's never like right away. I'm always like, Hey, can you quiet down that table? And after, you know, two, three warrants, it's like, all right, I'm going to have to give you like a strike, Paul. But again, <laughs> throughout the year, maybe I give out like five strikes total and it's yeah. always a different kid. So like no one ever really gets kicked out of game club, but they feel like there's like a base level that you need to behave at. And like, mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that's, we went a little over, just a little, just to teach. So uh, (laughs) I'm going to just, I'm going to read the quote and neither of us are going to process it. We're just going to let the people hear this quote and we're going to like, let them, let them be this, the the closing lines here. This is from an old doll. Uh, It is life is more fun if you play games. So everyone, uh, Paul and I wish you all the best and we want you to like, infuse games in your classroom do a game club paul i hope you uh launch this game club in 2020 and yes. it goes really well thank you have a great 2020 to you and to everyone out there i agree everybody enjoy again you can find this podcast on my youtube channel this is episode 143 so if you want to post comments on it check out some of other podcasts and other YouTubes on there as well. Plenty of great content. Thanks everybody. Have a great start of 2020.